You're listening to the Palmetto Report. I'm Anna Sharp, and we're joined today by Dr. John Holder, a political science professor at Winthrop University. Thank you for joining us. To start off, in your own words, how would you define civil discourse for those who may not know or have a vague idea of what that is? Civil discourse is people having an intelligent, reasonable, honest discussion with each other about civic needs, community problems, issues, that kind of thing. It's just a a way to communicate in a way that solves problems. How have you seen students interacting with each other about the election and politics in your classes this semester? I think students are really interested. This is the first election that a lot of people are eligible to vote in. So the, the first time voters are always really enthusiastic. Um, Professor Katarina Moyan and I are teaching a class on the nominating process, and we're going to take some of them up to observe the Republican convention in Charlotte this fall. So we've had, I mean, we have supporters of the various Democratic candidates. We have Trump supporters. um, But what we try is to get them to have an intelligent discussion. I mean, nobody screams at each other in our class. So in your experience, what are some characteristics of successful debates and discussions? You prove your point, and you prove your point on the merits of the issue, not by attacking your opponent. Um, I spend a lot of time monitoring political discussion on social media, particularly Facebook, and an awful lot of it is a waste of time. It's just, particularly with the contentious democratic primary process that's going on. Um, I see a lot of people who are probably going to end up having to be allies and having to work together no matter who the nominee is, but right now they're attacking each other's candidates, questioning each other's candidates' fitness for office, um, saying things like Biden's senile, Bernie's a communist, things like that that don't really contribute to being able to work together. College is a time where most students are changing in their political beliefs, and that may be in contradiction to what their families believe. How would you encourage students to have political discussions that may be difficult? Um, I think the stereotype is that a lot of people come to college and become more liberal. Um, I spoke to a Republican Party gathering last night, and there was a candidate for political office there who was complaining about socialist indoctrination on college campuses. Um, This is a gentleman who's running against Lindsey Graham in the Republican primary for the Senate because he doesn't think Graham is conservative enough. Um, So that's the stereotype. But what we're trying to teach you to do in college is not to be more liberal, but to be more open-minded. Because we're, we're exposing you to things you haven't heard about before and ideas you haven't heard about before, and particularly in classes like HMXP. You know, when we say question your beliefs, we're not attacking your beliefs. We're asking you to dig deeper and figure out why you believe the way you do, which, again, is not questioning. You know, we're not attacking you for believing that. We're just trying to get you to figure it out for yourself. So you go home. And you get into a political discussion with your conservative grandparents over Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. Be respectful. You know, make your point, show that you respect their values, but here's why you disagree with them. I mean, it's, it's possible to have an intelligent, reasonable discussion with somebody you disagree with without them, you know, without people ending up yelling at each other. 
What are some tips or advice you have for people who want to have those discussions but may have experienced pushback in the past? Be respectful. You know, stand your ground. Don't don't go tell your parents or grandparents that everything you were brought up to believe is is BS. Um, just here's here's what I learned. Here's why this changed my opinion. Here's what I think. And I love you anyway, Grandpa. I spoke to Katerina Moyan yesterday, and we had a similar discussion. She mentioned that you're never going to change anyone's mind. Can you speak to that? People do change their minds, but I, I don't think, um, I mean, if you and I were to talk about health care and you were to try to convince me Medicare for all is a great thing or Medicare for all is a terrible thing, I'm not necessarily going to change my belief on that just because we had this conversation, but maybe I'll think about it more. I mean, it's, it's usually changing your mind is usually a process of evolution. You know, you learn more, you're exposed to something different that causes you to think differently as opposed to you come in and make this argument and this light bulb goes on over my head and, oh my God, I was wrong. You're absolutely right. It doesn't happen that way. What are some benefits to having those discussions? You learn more. I mean, people who disagree with each other learn more about issues from listening to the other side. I had, when I taught the nominating conventions class the last time, um, four years ago, first day of class, I asked them, and this was when there were contested primaries going on on both the Democratic and Republican sides in 2016. I asked them two questions on the first day of class. One, who would you vote for if the election were held today? Two, fill in the blank. Hell would freeze over before I would vote for blank. And most of the people in the, in the class, the blank was either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. So the first assignment was write a campaign speech advocating the election of the person you just told me hell would freeze over before you'd vote for them. Because in politics, you can't beat somebody if you don't understand why people are voting for them. I wish Hillary had taken that advice. You mentioned the 2016 election. Do you see Winthrop being that active again? I know we had a lot of people stopping by and campaigning. We had 11 candidate visits. And we had a, we had a nationally televised MSNBC forum. Do you foresee that happening again this year? Um, we tried. Um, it was an awful lot of work to put all that together. And the Democrats this year decided to do the debate in Charleston. Um, instead of up here, we've had candidate visits on campus. Bernie Sanders was here. There have been a lot of candidates in Rock Hill. Pete Buttigieg was here for the third time last night. Elizabeth Warren spoke at Clinton College. The Democrats are making a big push at historically black colleges and universities this cycle. So a lot of people who might have come to Winthrop in the past are going to Clinton, the HBCU across town. Um, But you know, we're not as visible as we were last time, but we're certainly active. What are some ways that Winthrop students can get involved in politics? One, register to vote. Uh, that's That ought to be at the top of anybody's list. Uh, we have a College Democrats chapter here, a College Republicans chapter here, a Socialist Student Union chapter here. Um, there are local campaigns, local parties. We give internship credit for political activity. Um, I have a student who's uh, one student who's about to graduate who is managing the campaign of one of our recent graduates who's running for the South Carolina House of Representatives. 
Um, we have another student who's working pretty heavily for a state Senate candidate. We're going to have a contested congressional race here. We have a U.S. Senate race this year. Show up, volunteer, get involved. What are some resources for students to get informed about candidates, and not only for the presidential election, but for local elections as well? Um, everybody's got a website. Um, I'm not sure that a candidate for, say, the state legislature is going to have a very detailed website, but read the paper in print or online. The Herald does very good local coverage. Um, WRHI, the radio station, does local coverage. CN2, the cable channel, does local coverage. Um, websites, media, ca candidate websites, party websites, there's a lot out there. Is there anything else you'd like to add about civil discourse and being involved in politics for college students? Every semester in American government, when I talk about Social Security, I tell the class there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is it's a very, it's a very serious problem and it's your generation's problem to fix because my generation and my parents' generation have kicked the can down to you guys. The good news is you have time. Um, what I hope your generation accomplishes that previous generations have not so much is, your first question was about civil discourse. We're very polarized in this country right now, and we have people screaming at each other on both sides. And I hope your generation figures out how to bridge that gap so people can work together and have intelligent, reasonable discussions without screaming at each other. That's, that's my hope for the future. Dr. Holder, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. That was Dr. John Holder, political science professor, talking about civil discourse and talking politics as a college student. My name is Anna Sharp, and you're listening to The Palmetto Report.